everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, it is the Fantasy Alarm, hashtag NASCAR, hashtag DFS podcast. Uh, previewing Miami this week. We just got off two weeks in Daytona. We're still in the state of Florida for NASCAR. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by the two-time FSWA uh, NASCAR Writer of the Year. Trophies be damned. Matt Sells, how, how you doing? I am doing pretty good tonight. Um, been a little frustrating of a week um, for a variety of reasons I'm not going to get into. Um, but yeah, um, you know, kind of ready to take on some more NASCAR. Um, we've had a really good first two weeks of the season. Um, obviously, I took down a GPP at the Daytona 500. Thanks, Michael McDowell, for that one. Um, and then we had some really good results from members of the uh, family this weekend. Yeah. Uh, saw it was good to least... see Mike hit pretty nicely. Uh, yeah. On yeah, he definitely hit well. We saw several uh, few hundred dollar winners in chat. Saw a bunch of winners on Twitter. Uh, saw a couple of guys, a couple of uh, members of the family winning commas. So that's always good to see. Two weeks in a row, we've had commas, Love commas. being put up. Um, so that's a good start there for two entirely different styles of race. By the way, it's not like it was back to back Daytonas. Uh, it was a road course that was nuts and the regular Daytona 500 that was nuts and a rain delay and whatever. Yeah. Now we're heading <clears throat> south on I-95. We're going to the truest oval on the NASCAR circuit, uh, Homestead Miami Speedway, mile and a half intermediate track that basically allows drivers to do whatever they want to to get around this track. It's mm-hmm. always a fun track to watch the race at. Normally, it's been the last race of the year. Uh, last year, it was moved up to... It was supposed to be, what, like the fifth or sixth race, and then COVID hit, and so it happened later than it was supposed to. Um, and now this year, it's falling where it's supposed to be. So, um, kind of nice to see it without like championship implications because you get to see everybody actually race it instead of just like lay off and let the top four guys go at it. Yeah, but I feel like we've had the conversation in the past where we've talked about how how Miami is potentially the best track to have a championship race as well. Yeah, I agree because it's the fairest test. Mm-hmm. It's you know a little bit of tire wear. It's not a tri oval. It's an actual over oval, which actually makes the lines many uh, grooves, multiple grooves. Um, it's just a really nicely designed. Um, track we've seen guys win on the high side we've seen guys win staying down uh on the you know basically by the yellow line we've seen guys move up through the field pretty easily we've seen guys win from the pole so it's a it's a pretty good track um for basically anybody being able to do anything all right now i do want to touch a little bit on what happened last week at daytona between the xfinity and the Cup Series race, it was a very, very good weekend for Joe Gibbs Racing uh, with Ty Gibbs winning the Xfinity race and then Christopher Bell winning the Cup race. There are these really weird articles that just seem ready to attack the veteran drivers of JGR. Uh, a lot of them specifically directed at Denny Hamlin. 
uh, and how there could be a driver coming for his job. And I just think that's a little interesting because Denny Hamlin recently did sign an extension with JGR. And you, we have one good weekend for the young Joe Gibbs drivers, and all of a sudden, young young drivers are coming for Denny's job. Can we can we pump the brakes just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, what what I don't fully understand here is before the season started, MTJ was the one that was on the hot seat, right? He didn't look great last year. He only had the what the one win. I mean, he had the stretch of top what, three finishes? I think he finished top three in, like, eight straight races at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, like, Kyle Busch opening his mouth that, oh, I basically got fired from the 18 team because his crew chief and his entire crew left to go to the 20 car, which, yes, Christopher Bell looked really good on Sunday. Yeah, congrats. He has a championship-winning crew chief, a championship-winning crew. Let's not forget the 20 car has been good since Daniel Suarez has been in it, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then Denny was, you know, it's not been that bad of a start to the season for for Denny. We're so. two races in, and keep in mind, like, we're a year removed from Denny and Kevin Harvick pretty much winning most of the races. Yeah, Denny won, what, nine races last year, eight races last year? Something like that. So, and he just signed an extension. So like, and also, Denny was JD Gibbs's favorite driver. It's not like Joe Gibbs is going to get rid of Denny anytime soon, right? right? It's his now late son's favorite driver, the guy who signed him to JGR. The reason why he is number eleven is because it's JD Gibbs' favorite number. He's not going anywhere. And really, what driver is going to come for Denny's job? Like. Christopher Bell is already at JGR. It's not like he's in a satellite team, right? Like, what are you going to do? Pluck Bubba Wallace from a fifth JGR car and put him at a JGR car? I don't Bring think up so. Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones? <laughs> not so much. Ty Gibbs, we're really going to jump a kid from an ARCA series all the way to the Cup series after one really impressive road win at the Xfinity level? Come on. Like, it's not happening. Nobody's think... coming from Denny Hamlin's job anytime soon. No. All right, let's just talk a little bit of Miami. Um, have we 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 did talk the track, right? It's it's a mile and a half. It's an oval. It's wide. You can run the high line. Um, I will say though, if you're running the high line, I feel better about. And I'm not saying this is going to be the end all be all, but I I feel better for any cars scrubbing the wall in Xfinity than I do for the Cup. Yep. Yep, and um, a little bit of explanation there. The Xfinity car bodies and the Cup car bodies are two different materials. Xfinity is a composite, and the Cup cars are steel. Now, that should change with the the next-generation car that's supposed to come out next year. For the Cup cars, it's supposed to be a composite body from what I'm seeing and reading and hearing. But the difference is that the composite bodies, they just scrape the paint off. They don't actually bend and run the risk of cutting the tire. The steel bodies collapse on the tire, and you can get a tire rub. So mm-hmm. um, that's why if you watched uh, the Xfinity race last year, the closing laps, somebody hit the – was it Graxon? I feel like it was somebody in a JR Motorsports car that hit the wall like six times in the last four laps and just kept going without a problem. 
But we saw Tyler Reddick hit the wall once in a cup car and his tire went down and needed a pit stop the very next lap because the bodies are different and they'll cut tires. So the high line is a risk, as it is everywhere. Um, I fully expect guys like Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, um, and a few other guys to be up in the high line for quite a bit of the race on Sunday, and Tyler Reddick will be in the Xfinity Series on Saturday. So he'll be up that high line pretty early and pretty often. All right, you just want to start previewing the races and all that Yeah, good you want stuff. to hit up some strategy for Xfinity? Yeah, we can hit up strategy for Xfinity, and I feel like it might be a little bit of the same for Cup. However, um, for Xfinity, you this is a race where last week we were mostly targeting one potential dominator and otherwise position differential, or you were just building your entire lineup based on position differential. Uh, this week you can confidently go with one guy on the front row and then another potential laps led dominator. Um, 167 laps for the Xfinity race on Saturday. It's going to be run in 40, 40, and 87 lap segments. Uh, that gives us 116.9 dominator points. Um, typically at Homestead, we don't see a ton of guys gain excessive PD, so I wouldn't necessarily say no to targeting drivers on the front row or uh, one or two laps led dominators. Uh, in 2019 for Xfinity, we saw Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer. They both started on the front row and they led 99 laps. In 2017 and 2018, Custer started on the front row and led a combined 277 laps between both races. One of those races, he did leave, uh, lead a heavy amount. I want to say it was like 150, 160. Uh, so typically, the clean air at Miami, it does benefit drivers up front immediately. They can dominate the early portions of the race. So uh, for Xfinity, you can easily look at a guy like Austin Sendrick. I think Daniel Hemrick is also starting on the front row. I, I've been the biggest Daniel Hemrick apologist for the longest time, and I, I've kind of gotten off that high horse because the, the shtick has just grown old, let's be honest. Uh, so it's, 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 a, it's a day where you can confidently play Austin Sendrick, but then there are plenty of good PD plays on the board with, with Tyler Reddick, who's an obvious one. Uh, he won his last two Miami races, I believe, at the Xfinity level. AJ Allmendinger, uh, Noah Gragson. Noah Gragson's car just wouldn't start last week. That 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 won't happen two weeks in a row. We can we can go back to Noah Gragson. And I mean, he still even, finished on the lead lap. Even when he was three laps down in the first stage, he still got up to P13 in the third stage and spun out in kind of like a, a collective orgy of drivers spinning out. So. There are good PD plays this week for Xfinity uh, and Cup, uh, but I also feel like this is a week where you can go with one to two laps led dominators and then find the smart uh, PD plays. There, There is a ton of chalk. Reddick will be chalk. Gregson will be chalk. I'm pretty sure Riley Herbst, even though there are a lot of people in the DFS community that think he's, he's a pretty bad driver, last week was just bad luck. I personally feel that that, was, that wasn't so much him sucking as it was him trying to avoid killing AJ Allmendinger and he got into the grass. When you get into the grass at Daytona, it ruins your splitter. It's going to ruin your day overall. Yeah. Um, that's another topic for another time. Cause I am a major proponent of putting AstroTurf everywhere on the infields. Charlotte did it and it saved about seven cars there last year. Cause the AstroTurf just doesn't grab like real grass. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can use a lot of the same strategies there for Cup as well. 
Um, there will be some PD plays. There are drivers over the last uh, four races at Homestead. There are, oh, I'd say a good handful of guys, about seven guys that average more than five spots a race um, in that time. Now, a few of those guys have only run one race there. We're talking like Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, who all started pretty far back in the pack uh, last year and moved up quite a lot. Um, if we remember last year, Christopher Bell started 36th and finished 8th. Uh, Tyler Reddick was competing for a win until he forgot it was not the last <laughs> lap and let off Still the gas. Fourth. Yeah, he let off the gas um, for the final lap inexplicably. Uh, Cole Custer looked pretty good at times and then wound up finishing like 22nd. So you can get guys that are starting further in the back and move up. It is possible here. Um, in terms of getting a laps led leader, Denny Hamlin started on the pole last year and led 137 of the 267 laps uh, and looked really good doing it. Um, there have been, in the last four races here, all of these guys have run at least three races. Um, there are like seven or eight guys that have led at least 17 laps a race in that span on average. Um, led by one Mr. Kyle Larson at like 63 laps a race on average. Um, we'll touch on him a little bit later because he's a really interesting case this week. But, um, so yeah, getting a laps led dominator is going to be key. You can start guys that are starting up front because the clean air will help. Um, this is also a track where you can see quite a lot of green flag runs. Um, so in my cup playbook this week, we're going to introduce a new stat, which is going to be, um, basically finishing... Uh, speed. There's a there's metrics out there that show you who's who are the fastest drivers late in runs, which is during the last 25% of the laps run under green. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be a pretty crucial thing because you can really make up some spots uh, in that span there. So that's kind of the strategy layout this week. Still focusing on some PD because it's out there given the starting lineup. Um, but you're going to need the laps light dominator guys for sure because there's 267 laps in sunday's cup race all right do you just want to drive and dive drive in dive into the driver pool yeah we can do that <clears throat> all right uh per usual uh, we're not going to preview every driver however we have prices we're recording this at almost uh, 11 p.m eastern time wednesday night yeah uh, on that one DK salaries have finally dropped. Um, kudos to them. You know, they said end of day and they, they pushed they got it. got it out with an hour to spare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're going to kick it off. Um, six drivers over $10,000. We have Kyle Busch at 11.8, Martin Truex Jr. 11.4, Chase Elliott and even 11. Kyle Larson at 10.7, Ryan Blaney at 10.4, Kevin Harvick at 10.1. Now, there are some interesting options priced under 10 k which we are surprised with. Which drivers in this plus 10K tier are you looking at? Uh, big day for me. Uh, loyal NASCAR DFS subscriber in the chat just said uh, he can't. He's actually surprised that Kyle Larson isn't worth or isn't priced up uh, given the equipment uh, for the ride he's in this year and his history at Miami. Yeah, uh, that's a perfect segue to what's going to make him an interesting case. That's the first thing I looked for on both sites. 
was exactly how much Kyle Larson was because we all knew coming into the season that this was going to be a track that Larson was going to be fun to watch given his just ridiculous history here. It's always been, it was always said before they moved the track away, the championship away from Miami. Wouldn't it be great if Larson could make the final four? Cause man, would it be mm-hmm. fun to watch that guy try to go for a championship at Homestead? Um, so to see him as the fourth highest price driver on DK, and I believe he's uh, actually lower on the total uh, on FanDuel. He's 11-3 on FanDuel, but that actually makes him the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh most expensive driver on FanDuel and a whopping $2,700 cheaper than Kevin Harvick. Um, that's fairly surprising to me. Uh, considering the fact that Kyle Larson is also starting 17th. So he's got position differential, and we've seen him make it to the front and lead laps. So that's a really interesting play. He's probably going to be pretty chalky this week, just putting that out there right now, Um, especially since his price is not. I mean, Let's put it this way. Chase Elliott was 10-7 on DK last week. He was on the pole at a road course, right? Kyle Larson at a track he's dominated at that has more laps in it to, to lead with more position differential right. is the same price. That's that's pretty interesting. I mean, in the chat last week, we were talking about, like, the 57-point cap that uh, Chase Elliott had on FanDuel. Mm-hmm. And so, but, I mean, with, with FanDuel and DK, you know, on road courses, we don't really talk about hitting value as much on FanDuel. It's just trying to find guys right. that can get you the most points. Um, but really, like, the, Kyle Larson is a very, very high ceiling uh, this week. Now, he will be chalk. The cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows he runs very mm-hmm. well in Miami. Um, is there anyone else you wanted to touch on in this 10K plus tier before we dive into the front row? Yeah, I mean, we got to talk about, I guess there's there's really two guys we got to talk about, right? Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, right? Truex nearly won back-to-back championships until his pit crew put the wrong tires on the wrong side of the car a few years back that allowed Kyle Busch to come back and win that race. Kyle Busch has been really good here, aside from, you know, being essentially gifted a championship by Truex's pit crew. Um, And Kyle Busch is starting back in the field, too, right? Isn't he starting, like, 24th, I think I saw? Yeah, he's 24th 24th. to Ryan Newman. So that's a lot of PD. That's why he's priced up um, at 11.8 on DK. And he's more – he's – more appealing, frankly, on FanDuel at 12-2, right? I mean, he's almost two grand cheaper than Kevin Harvick at that point. Um, are you simply more appealing? Are you finding more appeal with Kyle Busch because he's only $400 more, but he's starting like 13 spots further back than MTJ? Yeah. Um, and I think we've seen a little bit more fire and a little bit more on top of it to start the season, if that makes sense, from Kyle Busch than MTJ. Um, there just seems to be something still kind of missing from MTJ's, uh, performances of late. I'm not saying they've, they've been bad and obviously he was caught up in the Daytona wreck and he had a solid road course run, but he started 19th and finished 12th. That's not like, like, you know, 
dominating, and he was never really in contention for the lead, right? Like, he was kind of in the top five at points, but you never really looked at his car and went, that's a guy who's going to, I mean, early in the race, I guess, but he never got to chase. Like, he was always, like, six seconds behind chase. So I would take Kyle Busch over MTJ right now. Makes sense. Uh, Let's dive into the front row. Uh, Yeah, the most shocking price of the week, frankly. Do we want to touch on Brad Keselowski really quick at 9,900? Yeah, we can. I mean, he's always in the right place at the right time, right? Yeah. And I mean, like, starting P7, it kind of lends him more to just a GPP play. But he seems like, given the value and just the PD plays around him, this is this is a kind of guy that just seems like he could just go out there and possibly lead 80 laps and finish in the top three. Yeah, so in the last eight races here at Miami, Kozlowski has an average start of 4.8 and an average finish of 11th, right? Mm. He's got six top tens in that span, so that's not bad, right? right. Six top tens out of eight. So his average finish is taking a hit because he's, you know, the worst finish, well, he crashed out and finished 35th. But aside from that, the worst finish is 18th. Everything else has been 10th or better. So, um, and he's a guy that always seems to be the right place at the right time. He's got about 12 laps led per race here. His driver rating of 98.3 is really quite solid in that span and puts him, you know, about 7th or 8th. Uh, on the board Mm -hmm. so that fits with the pricing um yeah he's a guy that i think could still be under owned given that there's denny hamlin who's cheaper and starting on the pole and given that kyle bush is starting further back and mtj is starting further back and larson is there starting further back um and people are still high on kevin harvick because at some point he's going to start winning races um, this year. So I think Kislowski could go fly under the radar a little bit again. All right. Now we can touch on the front row. Um, we touched on a little bit in the track preview about how valuable it is to be on the front row and, and target guys in the front row. We have Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano, two guys that have seemingly found their way to the front of a lot of races, not just this year. Cause there's only been two, uh, but we saw it a lot last year. Uh, how are we feeling about the front row? Obviously it feels good to be able to look at this race and see, you know, two talented guys on the very front that could get the clean air and dominate a race. Yeah. Um, Denny Hamlin started on the pole here last year. He was placed there again. They didn't have qualifying, so it was the formula, the same formula they're using this year, put Denny Hamlin on the pole, and he's there again for Sunday. Right? What did he do in that race? Well, he won it, and he led 137 laps. So to see him at 9600 bucks on DraftKings, in a 267 lap race in which Chase Elliott, the pole sitter last week on a track that he's won at last year and won four in a row at that track type was 10, seven on DK in a 70 lap race. Why is Denny Hamlin $9,600 starting on the pole at a track where starting on the pole has done pretty well for guys. Mm-hmm. Certainly gives you the upper hand in leading laps. Uh, Hamlin has seven top tens in the last eight races here. He's led 37, almost 40 laps a race. His driver rating of 111.4 is the fourth best in the field, 
And really, it's third best because Tyler Reddick's is better, but Tyler Reddick only has run one race. So if we kind of take that away, he's right there with Kyle Busch and Kevin Hart. So why exactly he's that much cheaper than the guys, I don't know. But he's going to be a chalk. He's going to be a chalk play. All right, uh, we'll move on a little bit, just further down the pricing. Um, you can stop me if there's anybody you want to touch on. Uh, Matt Benedetto is 8800 offering a, a ton of PD. Tyler Reddick is $300 cheaper. I think he's starting in the row in front. Tyler Reddick is uh, the clear play. I think we previewed him a little bit. We did preview him a little bit earlier. Uh, easy to go Reddick over Benedetto, or do you maybe go with Benedetto a little bit more in the hopes that something happens with Tyler Reddick's car. We have seen, I know this is a track that Tyler Reddick, uh, typically this, this fits his style and he can run well at. However, in the first couple of races, he's, he's looked like a rookie. Yeah. He's made a lot of aggressive moves. He's put the car in spots. He should not be putting the, the car in. Um, so yeah, I mean, Benedetto hasn't had the best luck to start the year either. Um, and frankly, we've only got one cup race from Tyler Reddick to compare against, right? And Benedetto's got six, so it's a little unfair. In those six races for Benedetto, he's got two top 20s, mm -hmm. right? So now, both of them came in the most recent races, so he's getting better there. But Reddick started 24th last year and drove it up to 4th. So it's a little hard not to go with Reddick. If you want to differentiate yourself of those two, that's hard to say because De Benedetto is going to be popular for the P almost guaranteed PD. Yeah. Um, but I still think he'll be a little bit less played than Reddick will be. Uh, moving down a little bit more, uh, Alex Bowman's 8,300. I believe he's starting, I think, 13th. Yeah, right next to Ryan Blaney. Um, decent PD there. Haven't hated the car. Uh, but now we are kind of entering the zone where Chase Briscoe at 7,200 is looking pretty good. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that. It has not been kind of the start we may have expected from Chase Briscoe. Um, that's hard to say because he's a rookie, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's two races in, one of them was the Daytona 500, and the other one was a road race. You know, you know, and that car got pretty well, pretty well beaten up um, to the point where it was a miracle he was still able to drive it because I'm not sure how he saw through his hood. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, 7200 for Briscoe starting 30th is, is really quite a nice price um, on FanDuel, Chase Briscoe is what? Oh, Chase Briscoe seven grand on FanDuel. So that's still pretty hard to get over there. If you're talking about, you know, he's the Benedetto seventy two hundred on FanDuel and Briscoe is seven grand. Which one would you take? The Benedetto's how much on FanDuel? Seventy two. And Briscoe seven thousand. Yeah. Briscoe starting 30th to Benedetto starting 37th. Uh, probably to Benedetto. Yeah, it's pretty hard to turn down those extra seven spots of PD for 200 bucks, right? Yeah, it's three and a half points on FanDuel, the difference. Yeah, so that's, that's intriguing. I um, don't know how to feel about uh, Recky Ricky this week, really. 
Well, that's fine. We don't really have to talk about him too much because I would like to talk about the nice play of the week. Oh, who's your nice play of the week? Well, it's Eric Jones because he's 6,900. It is Eric Jones. Uh, it is Mr. Eric Jones. I mean, starting 18th, so the there's a little bit of PD there. And, like, you hit the nail on the head with your playbook right up playbook right up on him last week he will in to put it into nfl dfs terms he'll score two touchdowns or he'll you know like tweak his knee in the first on the first like offensive drive and then like he'll leave the game for the rest of the day right. uh, but it's you know at 7800 last week he started 37th and finished 14th for 52 points on DraftKings. uh he's starting 18th this week he's 6900 so i mean 34 and a half points starting p18 what is that like? I mean, if he if he finishes a thirteenth uh, or fourteenth, he's pretty much getting you five x value. Yeah, I mean, so let's say this about Eric Jones. I think that what I said about him last week still holds. Um, of course, because in the last four races here at Homestead. Eric Jones has finished 21st, 27th, 3rd, and 21st. Is this the race last year where he pit with, like, five laps to yes. go? Yes. Okay. That won us a bu- <clears throat> that backed us into winning a bunch yes, of Yes, because we faded him in this race a year ago. We faded him <laughs> in this race a year ago, um, and it was looking like a really dumb decision until five laps left, and then he inexplicably pitted because he either thought he was going to run out of fuel or he had a loose wheel or so i don't remember what he said the problem was but yeah he pitted with like five laps to go and everybody shot up we went from losing like a hundred bucks to like, <laughs> like 200 bucks like instantly right um so he's starting 18th right or is he starting 19th i can't remember like i think it's 18th but n- n- now that we mentioned it yeah, I feel kind of stupid for mentioning him because, like, this doesn't Well, seem no, like a... so he's starting He's starting 18th, <clears throat> right? The guy starting in his row, Kyle Larson, is going to get a lot more attention, mm-hmm. right? A lot more attention. And guys starting a couple of rows behind him in Kyle Busch and a little bit of Ryan Newman um, are going to get more attention. So Eric Jones might be another GPP guy that if he can get his flipping pit strategy – put together the right way uh he may in fact be a decent uh a a decent play there because let me see if i can pull up the running position for last year's uh race just give me just a second and i'll pull up the average running position for the can we really hold his previous position position because he's in different equipment this year i mean i understand like you know richard petty is like the the unofficial fifth Joe Gibbs car, but this isn't the same ride he's in last year. Um, well, I mean, oh, okay, so the 23 is the fifth. Yeah. Or the 43 Would uh, be like is. <laughs> but, I mean, the 43 showed quite a lot of speed last year. It wasn't just all Bubba. They did put money back into the car. The sponsorships that Bubba got, not all of them went with Bubba. They stayed. Um, the crew chief that Bubba had last year that showed a lot of speed is – Eric Jones is crew chief, and let's not forget that um, the two were on the same truck team in the truck series when he was Bubba Wallace's crew chief, and Eric Jones beat Bubba Wallace for the truck championship by, like, two positions on the racetrack. Um, 
So there is some sneaky speed in that car. Yeah, in the last 10% of the race, with 10% of the race to go, Eric Jones was sixth last year, and he finished 21st because of that pit stop. So um, he started 15th. He got up to six with 10% of the race left. Um, so, again, he's a GPP play. He's probably going to be a lower play because everybody's going to look at, oh, well, he finished 21st last year, and nobody's going to remember, well, he was six with, like, five laps to go, and then he pitted. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Um, I do want to briefly touch on Cole Custer. He's 6,600. He's starting P10. Basically, if he finishes inside the top 10, he will return value. Um, just to refresh what he did uh, at this course in his last three Xfinity races at Homestead, he finished second, second, and first. Uh, and he led like 292 total laps in that span. 182 laps came in 2017. Uh, is Cole Custer a guy that we're okay looking at in GPPs? Uh, yeah, I think so. Again, there's not a lot of upside there. It's more of the, well, if he can hold his spot, he has value type play, right? Last year in the Cup Series debut, he started 35th, finished 21st. Or sorry, finished 22nd. He was 21st with 10% of the race to go. Um, he got as high as 9th, though. Um, so there's that. But he didn't spend too much time running in the top 15 in that race. It was like less than 5% of the laps he was in the top 15. So... Um, you know, that play worked out this past week for Bell. That's kind of what I said about Christopher Bell was if you look at his average finishes, they weren't that great. But if you look at his top 15 rate, um, he knew how to run inside the top 15 and all he had to do was move up a few spots and hit value. And then sure enough, he wins the race. Um, so that's kind of a, a, a low budget, um, flyer there, I guess, in GPPs. Um, a guy who probably won't garner a whole lot of attention simply because, um, you know, we're relying on him showing his Xfinity um, skill here rather than the one cup race he had where he did move up 14 spots. But it's a lot easier to move up from 35th to 21st than it is from 10th to, like, 6th. Um, so, All right, let me ask you this. If you were to start a lower-priced driver starting in the top 10, would you want to go with Cole Custer or Ryan Priest? Because Priest has actually looked pretty good, not just in the two races we've seen so far this year, but dating back to last year. He finished 2020 relatively well. He did finish finish 2020 on a pretty good high note. He had a few different top 10s in there um, for sure. Um, and Priest has looked decent at this track in his brief uh, cup history. Not, you know, as electric as some others. Uh, for I mean, sure. it's tough to play either given their position differential, but it's just you're kind of drafting him just hoping that they hold their spot. Yeah, basically. I mean, he's run two cup races here. He's finished 25th and 24th, but he was also he also started 26th and 33rd in those races. So, um you know, that was kind of the argument to play him at the road course, right? Because he, he started, what, sixth last week? <clears throat> um, and the argument was, well, if he just holds his spot inside the top ten, then he basically hits value. Um, and he, he basically, I mean, he 
he basically did, right? He started sixth, finished ninth, hit thirty two points at fifty three hundred bucks. So he oh. almost hit six X. Yeah. Um but that's essentially what you're looking for again from him. He's at fifty nine hundred. So thirty point day would hit five X. Um one slight note I do wanna make here is that Corey LaJoy um will have a different crew chief this week. It will not be Ryan Sparks. Uh, the team has been hit by COVID. Corey LaJoy is fine, but due to COVID uh, protocols, Steve Letarte, who we all know from the NBC broadcast, and if you're a racing fan, you know him from the fact that he crew chief for Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. at Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, Steve Letarte is returning to on top of the pit box this week for Corey LaJoy and, Sp- and Spire Motorsports number seven car. So, he will have Latart there. Um, Latart was a pretty good cup crew chief. Helped turn around a little bit of uh, Dale Jr.'s career uh, there at Hendrick, really. LaJoy's been okay here. He's not really been spectacular. He's been basically treading in the back 25, you know, the, 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 the outside the top 25 for most of his four runs at Homestead. But again, he's in, you can make the argument he's in better equipment this year, and Latart is a pretty good crew chief. And we've seen showings of LaJoy being being decent this year. Not last week. Last week was a rough one for, <laughs> for LaJoy, but the Daytona 500 went pretty well for him. So, All right. Any other drivers that you wanted to touch on before we sign off? Or, uh, nope. Don't want to spoil all the secrets. Don't, don't want to spoil all the secrets again. We'll have uh, a rundown of the schedule. Obviously, you'll listen to the podcast. It's come out on Thursday morning or overnight Wednesday. Uh, track breakdown uh, slash coaches and slash, you know, coaches dashboard will be out Thursday. And then um, we will have DFS rankings for Cup and projections for Cup on Friday. Uh, Dan was telling me he's already written the Xfinity playbook. No, I've, I've started writing it. He started done. writing the Xfinity playbook. Um, so that'll be out, what, Friday probably? Friday evening? Uh, Friday yeah. afternoon? Yeah, uh, Friday evening into Saturday morning. Yeah, so that'll be out for you. Um, then we'll have the cup playbook Saturday. Core plays Saturday. Um, best bets Saturday slash Monday, or sorry, Sunday. Monday, nice. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you who won after <laughs> after they win. That's how I'm good at betting. I just tell you who wins after they win. Um, and then my little free uh, preview video will be out Sunday morning on Twitter. Um, yeah, I think that pretty well covers it. All right, awesome, good stuff, uh, Matt. Thank you for your time, as always. Best of luck to you. Best of luck to the FA Nation. Join us in the NASCAR DFS chat. One thing I pride myself, and I'm sure Matt takes part in this as well, is that Matt and I are consistently in the chat on the weekends leading up to lock, even through it. We like talking about the race as it's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get a pretty good crew in there during the race. Join us. We will uh, We will all look at our lineups a little too early and think about all the money we could win, and, and then we'll, we'll be on tilt as one uh, as the race goes on. But, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.